God so loved, that's what we're talking about this month. So the famous passage of scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Come on, God loved us. So now I want to read to you. Some of you probably thought, man, this is a Christmas sermon series. He hadn't even read the Christmas story yet. Settle down. Two more weeks. God, you're impatient. So we're going to get it today. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 4. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, was expecting a child. You got the order right there, right? She was pledged to be married and expecting a child. Scandalous. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, What in the world was that? Can you imagine? We just breeze over stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, host of angels always comes down on the weekend. So it's like, what happens? Are you kidding me? They're out in the middle of the field, no flashlights, no street lights, and boom. We just read over stuff like that in Scripture like, ah, it always happens. These guys were terrified. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Might as well. Nothing else to do here. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, one more verse, two more verses. Matthew chapter two, verses one and two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, so, so after what we just read happened. During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Father, we thank you for your word. And as he infinite ability to change our lives. God, we're opening up our hearts to you today. So would you just that. Renew our minds today by it, Lord. and Make us more effective for the gospel. Lord, we pray that because we gathered here together today that your gospel will go farther and wider than it has to this point. I pray that we'd send it well. We thank you for it, Lord. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Last week, we started off talking about the gift God so loved that he gave. And um, we talked about the rope-a-dope. That was fun, wasn't it? Rope-a-dope. And how, and how you, we just are called to keep, we, we have to have a plan to love. And when you have a plan to love, it might not look like what other people think it should look like. It might not look like it makes sense, but we just keep loving people. How many times do I forgive somebody? Seven? How about 70 times that? You just keep loving them until they quit. You just keep loving on them. But if we don't have a plan, we'll wear out in the middle, won't we? And so God called us to have a plan to love people. Today, I want to talk to you. If I had to name this specific sermon, I'd probably call it The Gift Will Make Its Own Stage. The Gift Will Make Its Own Stage. You know, the amazing part about John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, is that, is that God just gave because he loved us. No other reason. See, God's not like us. See, oftentimes I give out of a motive. Does anybody else do that? You give, give your wife a back rub? And you're just like, that was like the love of the Lord. It was free. It was like nothing attached. I'm just, I'm just loving on you because you love me. You know, like, I loved you first. I'm going to do the back rub. I don't expect nothing. And um, after 21 years of marriage, she looks at me and she's like, stop touching me. Right now. The, the issue is there's very few things we do in life without an expectation of reciprocation, is there? If we're honest with ourselves. If, if we're really honest with ourselves. A lot of what we do, there's an expectation of something coming back, but God didn't need anything from us. The mind-blowing part of God giving to us is because he did it sheerly out of love. There wasn't anything he was expecting to receive that could make him any more God than what he already was. He, there is no deficiency in him that he was trying to make up for. He was giving purely out of his love for us. So it wasn't like he was going to give to us expecting this great thing back that was going to improve his lifestyle. He was already God. There was nothing. He was, he was not short of anything. He's not, he's not sitting over in the corner going, oh, I hope they love me. He's God. And so what happens is it says out of his sheer love for us, for no other reason that he loved us, he gave. And that's it. And so it's so foreign to us at times because we always think in the back of our minds, why did they give that to me? Why did they, is there something behind the story? Why, why is it so lavish? Why are they, why are they trying to, why are they helping me out so much? Is there something, is there a backstory? We're always thinking in our minds, is there something else to this? But God gave just because he loved us. So then we have a response to that, don't we? God gave to us because he loved us and we give out of our love to him. Do you understand that process? God loved us first before, while we were sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Before we could effect any change in our own life, he died for us and he gave to us. And so our response to him is to love him back. And I don't know about you, but, but you can tell somebody you love them all the time, right? And it's not until you, there, there was a song, it's a terrible song, don't listen to it. But there was a song 
uh, back in the 90s, early, early mid-90s, um, uh, and it was um, called More Than Words. It was, remember those guys that used to sing harmony all the time? Some of you are like, oh, man, I played that song, yeah. yeah. You know what that song means, right? So if you're shaking your head about like, oh, I played that, I already know. I remember, I remember being out and explaining to, I think we were dating then. Were we dating? And uh, I said, hey, you know what the song means? And she's like, what? And I explained what the song means. And she was like, oh. she didn't want to hear, hear the song anymore. But the song was um, not godly by any stretch. But it, it was saying that, that words don't really communicate well enough love, do they? And so last week we talked about how, how to have a plan uh, that you can't just say, well, I love you, but, but it needs to be worked out through action about forgiveness and mercy and grace and, and, and gifts. And, and it's got to be something that, you, that is tangible in our lives, right? My wife's uh, love language is not words of affirmation. It, mine is. I'm going to just let you know right now. I'm, a greedy, I'm greedy when it comes to appreciation. I'm just like, tell me I'm the greatest. Anybody else like that? You just want to hear it every now and then? You're just like, well, I'm all by myself, liars. So what I do to my wife is I'm like, you're beautiful, you're awesome, you're amazing. And I'm like, I can't figure out why she's still upset with me. And she's thinking, well, if you love me so much, why don't you go out and fix the deck? I'm like, but I'm telling you. And she's like, well, that's just words. I need you to do something about it. I'm like, how's the fixing the deck going to show I love you? Don't go outside. (laughs) Fix that. So oftentimes, what we do is we withhold what God has put in us, and we try to substitute it with the words we say to him. We, We try to say, God, we love you so much. God, we love you. All that you've done for us. But the problem is God knows what he put in you. God knows. It's like the frustration you feel with your kids when you know they're not firing on all eight cylinders. You know, you're like, I know there's more in you. I put it there. Right? And so God looks at us and we give him lip service and he's like, yeah, but I knew what I gave you. I gave you everything. I died for you before you even knew what to do about it. Before you even could respond, I loved you. So he knows what he put in us. So lip service oftentimes doesn't work by itself. So here's the problem. I already told you my need for recognition. And you always, you, you, you ought to, uh, now you look down at me a little bit more than you did before. Here's, here's the issue. Is that, do, do you remember when you were first saved? Anybody, anybody remember that? Yeah, that's a good day. Do you remember the feeling like you realized that God saved me? And, and now my response to him is going to be to give my life to him. I'm going to just offer it all. Man, you've redeemed me, pulled me out of the pit of hell. I was down and destined for, for hell. And you saved me, snatched me up. Now I'm going to give you everything. Satan has a little trick where what he does is, is after a bit of time... We, we begin to want to give God what we have according to the recognition we get for giving it. 
So all of a sudden, it's not a response to his love. It's, um, it's hey, did anybody actually notice that I've been serving here for like 10 years? Did, did, I, I put that big check in the offering plate last week. I wonder if anybody even noticed. I wonder if I get a phone call. And so all of a sudden, now, now none of you may be like this, but I, I've already put my secrets out. You know I'm like this now. So what happens in my life is oftentimes I am holding the gift, waiting for the recognition. Look what I've done. Is anybody going to recognize it? Look at the sacrifice I made. Is anybody going to recognize it? So instead of being a re- my gift being in response to God's great gift, now my, res- my, now my gift is in response to the recognition. Now watch. I- I'll play this out uh, a little bit. I, um, first time I, I, I went to Africa was in 2012, and it was the best sermon I've ever preached, I think. And I, I could have been saying stupid stuff, but this is why it sticks in my head. I was in a church, and um, I'd met a guy named Craig Indoro, and, and we were at his church, and uh, I, was, I was scheduled to pr- preach there one night. And so I'm there, and I'm preaching, and I'm in front of like, I don't know, there's about 300 Africans in there. And the awesome thing is, is uh, they know how to do it. They put up big sofas on the side, like where you're preaching, and then all the important people stand, sit here alongside. And you know they're important because everybody else is in plastic resin chairs. And they've got these big padded sofas, so you know what's going on. And, um, and uh, they were a very responsive crowd. And so you're just feeling it, right? I'm not looking at my notes. I'm just like, God, right? I'm screaming, yelling. And then about three-quarters of the way through it, everybody over here stands up. They've got hankies. And they're going, ah, like this. And I hear the pastor say, who is this Chris Jones? And I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, I don't want this to end. And they're clapping and yelling. And I mean, I mean, we're lighting it up, man. It is. I don't know if God did anything, but it was a good night for me. <laughs> Have you ever been there? You never had one of those? Like, I don't even know if any good came out of this, but wow, that was awesome. I mean, I mean, I was just like, I'm coming back next week here. I'll call my wife, tell her I'm not coming home. You guys are great. Let me juxtaposition that with uh, 2016. I was in Ghana. We were doing a pastor seminar. And what I didn't realize, there was a little bit of a rift in the town we were in. And when we started, there was one guy sitting on the front row. He came early. And he was sitting right in this area. And the guy leading the seminar looked at me and said, Chris, you're up. And I went, you got to be kidding me. You want me to preach in front of one guy? And I remember God saying, are you going to preach to him like you did to the crowd? You're going to give him what you were willing to give everybody when they were clapping? Or because there's only one guy, you're going to hold it back? Because oftentimes what happens is we withhold the gift and we wait for the response first. We, we say, well, well, God, I need somebody to recognize me. I mean, I'm not asking for much, maybe like a Starbucks gift card. That's all I want. I just want somebody to notice what I'm doing. I just want somebody to notice how much work I've put into it. I just want somebody to notice. 
as if somebody noticing puts a value on the gift. And what God taught me that day was that, hey, Chris, what you're giving them is worth it no matter if anybody collapses or not. I put it in you. So don't hold it waiting on somebody to respond. And then the Christmas story comes in. Watch this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Gave his only son. His only son. He's got nothing else. He gave it all. Gave his only son. We read in Luke how it worked out. He gave him in a way that people wouldn't recognize it even to start with. He gave it in a way that Joseph was like, hey, listen, I'm going to just divorce her and put her away quietly. I'm not even going to make a scene. I'm not going to draw a crowd. I'm not even going to tell anybody. The angel comes to Joseph and says, whoa, whoa, this baby is for real. This is what she's telling you the truth. This is the Holy Spirit. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to go home and tell my dad that? I mean, let's be real. You, you see the pressure put on them? And then what happens is they go to Bethlehem, and there's nobody there waiting on them. God sent the gift that would transform all of humanity. Nothing would ever be the same. God, Emmanuel with us, comes to earth in the flesh to to live and die for you and me and transform all of human history. And there's no one in Jerusalem waiting on them. There's no one in Bethlehem waiting on them. There's nobody in the house going, man, we can't wait for the Savior to show up. No one. The gift that would transform all of humanity and nobody is there to welcome them. They go into the stable. No room for them in the end. Nobody is even willing to give up a room. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? No, it's not even a noticeable event to the people in that town. God has to orchestrate an audience. He sends angels out into a field with a bunch of shepherds and the shepherds are like, something must be going on, man. Like, all of a sudden, everything's lit up. There's angels singing. And they say, hey, listen, in town, the Savior of the world has come. Really? It wasn't even on our schedule. It wasn't on the calendar. The mayor didn't say anything about it. It was, it was nobody knew. They said, hey, listen, something important is happening today. Go down. God had to orchestrate his own audience. You know what, church? We need to understand that the audience doesn't get to dictate the worth of the gift. So if your family's not clapping for you because you serve, that doesn't mean the serving is any less valuable. If your friends at work think, think being charitable towards the gospel is the dumbest thing they've ever heard, it doesn't make the gift any less valuable. God determines the gift because he knows what he put in you. He put everything in you. And so he determines the gift, not, not whether somebody shows up to recognize it before. The gift that changes all humanity and everybody's asleep. And God has to rustle up some shepherds and some white. He puts a star in the sky and says, please, somebody come on down here. Because all of humanity is sleeping on the Son of God. And you know what's, you know what's unbelievable? I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking, you know what? If Jesus came today, I bet you'd be the same way. Because Isaiah says there was nothing about him that anybody would even look at. There's no reason that, there was no reason to even look at him. He was not special looking. And we are in a society, society today in the, in the scope of human history. We, everything has to look special, doesn't it? You know what? 
I'm going to get in real trouble, but I'm so sick of the stage Christmas pictures. Whatever happened to just taking a picture with all the family with their hair messed up, sitting around the tree, and just like, hey, this is what our family looks like. It's 7 o'clock in the morning because the kids wouldn't let you sleep. And now you're up and you hate it. And you're like, open them all up. I don't even care. Jesus came. Open up the presents. I want to go back to bed. No, 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 not today. We got to get all the kids' hair done. We got to get them in the right clothes. And we got to make sure the cat's not in the tree. And then we look at... You bring out the light, extra lights. You're like, where'd you get those? Well, it's going on Instagram, for God's sake. Like, we're going to put it on there. It's got to be perfect. <laughs> Jesus came today, you wouldn't blink. Just like 2,000 years ago, humanity didn't even blink. And yet God gave everything. We have conditioned ourselves to let the response dictate the gift value. And it's the exact opposite. Just because nobody was expecting him to come didn't mean he was still the son of God. And one of the issues we have in today's society and in church is that we are expecting somebody to notice the gift. And God said, well, if I gave it and nobody noticed, how much more should you give it when nobody notices? Because you're not giving for the notice. You're not giving so that somebody receives. You're giving because God saved you. I'm giving in response to him, not in response to you. (laughs) Preachers got problems with this. I'm going to tell you, I've got a problem with this because we got three services in our church. Oh, it's so easy to preach to the second service. It's so easy to preach when somebody responds. It's so easy to give a gift when somebody recognizes it. We clamor for the stage, don't we? You say, well, I don't want to be on stage, but you want, we all want our little stage. We all want to be on the stage of the office. We all, oh, look what they did for everybody. Yeah. And then we do this, oh, it was nothing. Like, did they take the picture? It was, it really, it was nothing. It was nothing. I didn't even mean it. God so loved the world that he gave and nobody noticed. What if the church started giving whether people noticed or not? Instead of trying to get the world's attention, why don't we try to get God's attention? Instead of trying just to be like, oh, what, what can we do next to, to, so everybody sees what's going on? God, what can we do next to get your attention? Because if the gift is right, you'll create the audience. You'll send some angels out and a bunch of shepherds. But you know what also happens? I wonder if Mary Joseph went, really, shepherds? Like, what are you guys doing here? Because not only do we want the recognition, we want the recognition from the right people. (laughs) Lord, don't send me the wrong crowd. Don't send me the wrong crowd. I need people of influence to recognize me. Because we don't think God can promote us us through shepherds. Did you hear that? If we were sitting there with Mary and Joseph, we would have went, shepherds? Are you kidding and God's like, they're the only ones up. Like, I'm, just, I'm just bringing to you who I got. 
They're the only ones up. But the Bible says that the shepherds went and told everybody they ran into. They went and told everybody without prejudice who they ran into. Hey, we, they told them about this great thing that had just happened in the town of Bethlehem. We can't believe it. The angels, everybody came in. It's unbelievable. We're always trying to analyze the crowd. The right people are in the crowd. Who do I need to look at to make sure the right people are in the crowd? Because I'm getting ready to do something for God. And I need to make sure the right people are here to witness it, right? It's amazing. God loved us and gave and nobody noticed. But we want everybody to notice. The stage is the dilemma, isn't it? The stage is the dilemma. But here's how we fix that. Because I believe this. I believe truly redeemed people operate differently. Amen? Now watch, watch. One of the things that I believe plagues the American church is this. Is that we are really good on behavior modification. You've heard me say this before. We're really good at behavior modification. And what I mean is this. Is that... If there's pressure from a community of people for you to act a certain way, you'll, you'll typically bend to the pressure, right? So what happens is your friend and, you know, we, we invite people to church. They start coming to church and we're like, they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I can wear jeans and they give me coffee in the back and I can spill on the carpet. Nobody says anything. <laughs> this is perfect. So then what happens is you start realizing that, uh, hey, I'm going to join a connect group or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Oh, these people don't cuss. So I'm not going to cuss. And everybody goes, wow, man, Andy, stop cussing. It's so awesome. Wow, they don't smoke, so I'm going to stop smoking. And really what we have is we have a group of people at times that just changed their behavior and haven't met Jesus yet. It's like we're in ninth grade again. We started out wearing Air Jordans, and then by the end of the year, we were wearing work boots because we started hanging around different people. And we haven't figured out what our identity is yet for real because we haven't met the person that we need to meet. And so what I find out is that people who have had an encounter with God and realize that the God of all the universe sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, they go, he redeemed me and saved me, and I am who I am today because of him, and I will give it all in his name. I don't care who's watching. I don't care of the recognition. I will keep going and going and going because he redeemed me. So watch this. It's different if it's just behavior modification because you get tired of it. You'll be like, actually, I really enjoyed cussing. <laughs> like, I don't get it. And we'll start looking for the recognition to support what we're doing. Oh, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. And when the recognition goes away, the giving goes away. Watch this. Let me, let me show this. In a way here. Genesis chapter 47. Joseph. I'm going to try to give you a quick backstory. Joseph. His, uh, his brother sold him into slavery. He's you know, bad, bad luck after bad luck. If you want to call it that. It's the providence of God to get him in a position. You call it bad luck. God calls it organized chaos. 
in your life to get you in a certain direction to move you into an opportunity that you would not have ordinarily went in to yourself. So he gets Joseph in this opportunity. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph is the only one that can interpret the dream. Joseph's interpretation tells Pharaoh there's going to be seven really, really good years and seven really, really bad years. This is what you should do. You should set aside some grain. It's going to be really good, set aside grain, and then you'll have enough grain to keep you through the seven bad years. So guess what happens? Exactly what God told him was going to happen. Exactly what Joseph tells Pharaoh is actually what really happened. And so they stored up in the seven good years, and so now seven bad years is almost over in Genesis, is pretty much over in Genesis chapter 47. But in, in response to that, Egypt now owns everything. Because what happens during the seven bad years is the people run out of food. But they're able to come to Joseph, and they say, hey, listen, we don't have any food. And he says, okay, sell me your livestock. So he gets all the livestock, gives them feed. And then he says, okay, okay, they come back to him. We're out of food again. Sell me your land. Gives them land, gives them feed. Now Joseph owns everything. Wouldn't that make you mad? Like the rich man up there taking all the poor people's money. Like you never heard that before. But watch this, Genesis chapter 47, verse 23. Joseph said to the people, behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. He said, I own everything. Now here is seed for you and you shall sow the land. So he said, I'm going to give back. It's all mine, but I'm going to give you some. And at the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh And four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your household and as food for your little ones. He's like, you feed the kids too if you want. Now what? Did you hear what just happened? He's a benevolent dictator at this point in time. He owns everything. And he's like, I'm going to give you back enough grain to go out and plant. I'm going to give you back enough to plant for you to eat on and feed your little knuckleheads if, if you want. But then he says, I want you to give me a fifth. Now, quick math lesson here. One fifth is 20%. That's double the tithe. I feel like Joseph's being a little greedy. By the way, side note, if a man saves you, it's always going to cost more. Watch this. At first reading of that, you think, wow, he's given... Like he's going to, but they've got to keep bringing a fifth back to him. That's 20%. That's 20%. But watch their response. Watch their response to Genesis chapter 47. And they said, you have saved our lives. They start out there. They don't start out saying, hey, can we negotiate down to like 17 and a half percent back to you? Can we negotiate this for a second? No, the response to Joseph is this. You've saved our lives. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to you. Another translation says we'll be in servitude to you. We owe you everything. Saved people operate different. Saved people don't complain about the gift. 
if nobody recognizes it. Save people, redeem people, people who have really been redeemed for something. Jesus said, the reason you don't understand it is because you don't think you're sick. He tells the Pharisees. He said, the reason she understands it is because she, she knows what's, that, that, that to whom you've been forgiven a lot. And so you understand. You don't think you're sick, so you don't need a doctor. These people realized that Joseph had saved them from total destruction. They said, listen, whatever you want, you've saved us. We'll be in servitude to you. What's our right response to God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Our response is, it's all yours, God. You have saved us. It's not, if you bring in the right people at the right time to clap while I'm here, I will give you everything I have. I'll give the gift even if no one else thinks it's worth anything. Because you love me first. You have saved us. We should respond different. We're on the sideline negotiating with God because we don't think anybody else values it. Well, they don't understand, God. They don't value what I'm getting ready. They don't, you know, it doesn't make you, can I get a little recognition? Can I get somebody to notice? And God's like, I'm noticing. That's the only one that matters. Let the gift build the stage. Let your gift build the stage. Stand to your feet. We're going to talk about one more thing. One more example. Watch this. So the people come to Joseph and they say, you saved us. It's all yours. Whatever we got to do. Our response to God is, you saved us, Lord. We're not going to wait on recognition to, to offer you our lives. We're just, that's going to be a response to your love to us. Watch this. If you will just give, and I'm not just talking about money. If you will give your life, God will build a stage for you. He'll build a stage for you in the midst of people that didn't realize you could even get on a stage. Now watch this. Luke records this. Jesus is with the disciples and they're, they're watching people give their gifts at the temple. Luke chapter 20 says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. Now, now what would happen is, you know, you know how it works. You know, rich. Oftentimes we want to be noticed before the gift goes in. Don't we? Put your shoulder back, you know. I got to walk up to the gift box the right way. You know, I don't even know how it happens. Like, I don't even know what it looks like. So you can imagine walking up, everybody's looking at you. The trouble is, is they don't even know how much you put in. All we do sometimes is get an audience, and the gift might not even be that significant. But just, I need somebody to look even before I put it in. So walk up, plink put the money in and everybody goes oh did you see them what a gift didn't they look just great doing it it was amazing jesus lets all them people pass by doesn't even give them a thought and then one woman with her head down nothing here to see one poor widow put into very small copper coins the bible says so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings to God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood she had. 
She didn't come looking for an audience, but the Son of God gave her one. You see how that worked? In the midst of the culture that we live in, that everybody's looking for an audience, everybody's looking for likes, everybody's looking for thumbs up, everybody's looking for it. Could we as a church just be like this woman and just put our head down and do what he's called us to do? And when the time comes for us to need a stage, he'll make one for us. He'll call attention to you. But the deal is, is that let the gift build the platform. Let the gift build the stage. Don't look for it before. Just let him do the work that you, that we give out of a response to our love to him because of what he's done for us. You saved us and we owe you everything. Here it is. And so we're just going to put our heads down and get to work. Lord, you want the far and wide God? You want the gospel to go out? We're going to put our heads down and get to work. If you so see fit to give us a platform, fine. If not, it will not change the value of our gift. It will not change. We're going to keep our head down, keep moving. Keep our head down, keep moving. The gospel's got to keep going forward. The gospel's got to keep going forward. So guess what? If nobody claps... I'll still preach. If nobody claps, I'll still do it. If nobody claps, we'll still go. And then one day God will say, hey, wait a second, everybody. Look at them. Wait a second, everybody. I just sent my son. Shepherds, hey, pay attention. Wait a second. You see all these other people doing it for the recognition? Look at her. Look at her. Look at the way she's doing this. Don't worry about influence. If you will serve and give, he'll give you all that you need. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we pray that we be a church that could give out of pure motives. God, that we would recognize your love for us and out of that we'd surrender our whole lives to you. Everything we have, you have saved us. And in response to that great love, Lord, we give. We give you all we have. Lord, we know that you'll build the platform right for us. We know, Lord, that that when the time comes, that you'll do what's necessary. We know, Lord, that the response doesn't dictate the worth of the gift. We know that today. And so, God, I pray that you give us confidence that whatever circumstance we're in, whatever, whoever is around us, God, that we would serve and give, especially during this time of year in light of what you have done. We thank you for it. We give you honor and praise because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and praise one more time? He's worthy.